The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Francis Watch on member-supported Restoration Radio. My name is Dan Fitton, your host, and today I'm joined by His Excellency, Excellency Rector of Most Holy Trinity, Brooksville, Florida, Bishop Donald Sanborn, and Father Reverend Father Anthony Chicada, Assistant Pastor of St. Gertrude the Great, Cincinnati. Welcome, my Lord and Father. Thank you very much. Nice to be here once again. As Father quite eloquently puts it, here we are again, another month and yet another edition of Francis Watch. So I've, I've recently heard from our uh, great pals in the Recognize and Resist crowd that satire is passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, well, it... well per- uh, personally, Daniel, I try to make it as aggressive as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I read uh, that, let's, let's... how could you be passive aggressive? Those are opposites. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense at all, to be passive-aggressive. Well, it's, it's, it's a psychological term, uh, passive-aggressive. But um, I think it's just a quest of, question of turning around to active-aggressive. <laughs> yes, I am all for it. That yes. is, that's true. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, if, if only they could form a reasoned argument as to why a pope could lead the church away from the Catholic faith, then we might actually give them some credence. But... As they can't, well, who cares? Um, So, for our listeners, um, as you can see, the Bishop and uh, Father Chicada are on top form already within less than three minutes of recording. So, we'll go into the show. Um, I've split it down into three parts. So, we're going to give a brief recap on the chaos coming from the Vatican. And then... Part two, we're going to talk about some satire, as you can say from my early reference. Uh-oh. And part three of our favourite topic, the SSPX and their <laughs> continuing tango with Rome. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where do we start? Our, um, that's a very good point, my lord. Where do we start? Yes. So, we'll, we'll, last time, uh, we a certain cardinal um, was releasing a book and answering the dubia, or at least his interpretation of Amoris Laetitia chapter 8. Um, and we kind of missed this out. This this was a hot news last time recording, so we, we are a little bit behind the times. So this, listeners, is uh, Cardinal Coco Palmerio's no. new book, Amoris Laetitia. This was written at the request of Pope Francis, and this has been released. And I'll just read you a brief, thrilling extract from the book. The divorced and remarried, de facto couples, those cohabitating, are certainly not models of union in sync with Catholic doctrine. But the Church cannot look the other way. Therefore, the sacraments of reconciliation and of communion must be given to those so-called wounded families and to whoever, to, ever, 
to however many who, despite living in situations not in line with traditional matrimonial canons, express the sincere desire to approach the sacraments after an appropriate period of discernment. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Solves all things. So, so I, I don't think I need to carry on with that quote from the book, and you can you can find it on Rotare Chaley, uh, listeners. So... Um, my lord or father, who would like to tackle the many, many errors oh. in that document? Oh, the, it's document. just so loaded with errors, you don't know where to begin. Uh, first of all, uh, it, it implicitly talks about uh, in Amoris Laetitia uh, that distinction between the ideal uh, of marriage and then this less than ideal situation, uh, as if the indissolubility of marriage was sort of the top of Mount Everest that a few people can achieve and the rest of us are down in the valley living in fornicatory or in adulterous <laughs> unions, see? And uh, the, uh, it's something like the Catharists, you know, there was the, there was the, uh, the, the, the pure and, you know, the, the, the saints and then there was everybody else. And, and um, so the, uh, that's the first heresy of it, that there could be a double standard of indissolubility. Secondly, these are not families. When you have divorce and remarriage, you have two people together who are not bound together in the eyes of God. And if they are not bound together in the eyes of God, that is not a family. It is God who made the family. It is God who made marriage. And and marriage is essential for the family. If there's no marriage, there's no family. So these are not wounded families. These are people living together who have no relationship with each other before God. They are purely, these relationships are just impure. They're, they're uh, mistress relationships. That's like Mussolini and his, I don't know how many hundreds of mistresses he had. Uh, or Bill Clinton. It's just mistresses. That's all it is. I mean, and the children they're from are, are not legitimate children. You, you don't have any bond there. The bond of the family is, is what God gives. It's an invisible bond based on the, the word of husband and wife before God to contract this sacred union. So, I mean, this talking about wounded, that wounded business also comes up with the uh, churches, like the Greek Orthodox and and the Anglican churches that are wounded. You see, they they have elements of of church, but they're wounded because they don't have all of the stuff that they need in order to be a real church. Uh, the uh, nonetheless, they call the Orthodox particular churches, even though they're wounded. You know, I mean, you know, this is all. Uh, nonsense. It th doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, uh, and uh, but and that that's so typical. And then of course the the uh, you know they realize that they're wounded and they want to do the right thing, but you know they can't. They're too weak or something. And so then they have a discernment. <laughs> it's it's they go take the shower. The 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 you know whatever it is they do that this this discernment. I'd like to read a book on how to do a discernment. What do you do? You know, how long it takes to do a discernment, and and you know do you start sweating or something like that? And, and then and then you know once you emerge from the discernment, then everything is okay. Then you are in good conscience, and then you can you continue to fornicate. 
you continue to commit adultery, uh, just like Henry VIII, all now in good conscience and all clear before the Lord. You see, that, that's, uh, I mean, that is so loaded with error and heresy that it's just unspeakable. The, um, you see once again in here, uh, this idea that uh, everything is a process and uh, this discernment is a process. And it's like the, uh, it's the process that counts. Not the, uh, because the goal is, is uh, the goal is vague. You're always on a journey. And where the journey is supposed to lead, you're not maybe entirely sure. So it's, it, you see them pull this with the, as Bishop Sanborn says, with the, the uh, ecclesiology and then with the elements ecclesiology, um, where uh, you end up with this, this, these, these uh, contradictions all the time that uh, uh, you're not, uh, you never really uh, achieve necessarily the goal, but that's okay as long as you're somewhere in the process or you have uh, one of these elements. And that's uh, what is uh, going on here with what um, uh, Coco Palmerio is talking about. And it's uh, rooted, uh, again, in the, or, or it's analogous to the new ecclesiology, the elements ecclesiology, which Ratzinger, uh, uh, which Ratzinger invented. And when I first started to read stuff like this about uh, 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 these unions having elements of uh, uh, a good Christian marriage or elements of a family, uh, at, f at first I thought it was a little bit of satire. But no, they, they, they actually mean it. That, that uh, No, you get these, these elements. And that's uh, uh, why, Your Excellency, because they deny essences. Is this... Yes, that, yes, it right. is existentialism. It, it's what it means to you and how you live it and whether it's real for you. Uh, essences are the enemy. You see that something is something and it remains something. It is objectively something or not something else is absolutely abhorrent to them. Uh, and also the fact that essences require integrity. You can't have a partial essence. You can't have elements yeah. of essence. Something either is or is not what it is. It either is a dog or it's not a dog. It is a cat or it's not a cat. See, that, that is something, they see that as sort of like Stone Age philosophy where these essences are like stones in your head that never change. And, and existentialism and phenomenology, those were philosophies, essentially outgrowths of Immanuel Kant that broke down that idea. So, so what is true is what you live. So you're not, not what, what is or, or some sort of abstract idea. It's what you live. And yeah, I, remember, I remember reading about this with, um, in researching my uh, book on the New Mass, that the, um, uh, one of the, the early commentators on it, and, um, uh, an Englishman who might, he might have actually been uh, involved in the production of the, the uh, Ordo Missae itself, you know, the, 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 the uh, sort of uh, the main section of the New Order of Mass. And he was talking about the objections uh, over the, the, the Ottaviani intervention uh, laid down over the, um, 
definition of a mass is an assembly, is an assembly meal. And he said, well, uh, and this was back right when it came out, and he said, what you see here is you see a classic uh, conflict between the, the, the old essentialist theology, the pre-Vatican II uh, theology, which, you know, would talk about the essence of the mass being a sacrifice, and the uh, new theology of Vatican II, which is existentialist, that looks, as a thing, looks at a thing and, and tells you what you see in action. And uh, that, of course, is, is the new theology that Article 7 is talking about when it comes to the Mass. So the, this, this rot uh, underlies everything. It's like termites. Once they get into a wooden building, they're going to eat everything, the whole building. And so now the termites, after all these years, have gotten into the indissolubility of marriage, which was one of the few things that Vatican II had not touched. Yes, it did in the form of giving annulments out like candy or like Las Vegas divorces. Yes, it did. But it never touched the theory of in, in, indissolubility. Now this is, is wrecking the theory of it, making the indissolubility into just an ideal that is for very pious people or until trouble comes along, even in their marriages. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's just one more column to collapse, you know, in the forum. I always use that, <laughs> that analogy <laughs> of, you know, all those columns that just flopped. And this is just another one to come down. And, and what is, this is, of course, is deplorable, but it's not surprising. What is, what is both deplorable and surprising is that the Novus Ordo conservatives will say, again, nothing has changed, that this is not in any way contrary to the teaching of the church, that this is, uh, or, or it is something we can ignore, even though it comes from the office that interprets the law for the Vatican. So this is not just some commentary from a, you know, a Hans Kung up in Switzerland or something. This it comes from the man who, a cardinal, who is, a, is the interpreter of the law, and it's at the behest of Mr. B himself. Uh, so this has a certain authority. Uh, this is an interpretation of the law. So we, we can't uh, just discard it. it, it it's, it's really the answer to the dubia of those four cardinals. It's the definitive answer to them. And, you know, but the, the Novus Ordo conservatives will again uh, dig a, a deeper ditch into which to place their heads, like ostriches, uh, and, and say nothing has changed and life goes on and we can just... Uh, uh, wring our hands a little bit more and roll our eyes and, and things will be okay. Yeah, it's uh, the, uh, the Coco Palmerio, I guess, would be the equivalent of what uh, a, someone like Amleto uh, Cicognani under Pius, uh, you know, a, uh, the guy who has a very important position in the, um, in the structure of the Vatican whose words carry an awful lot of weight. And w when I found out what uh, Coco Palmerio's actual title was initially, my jaw dropped because it's, it's stuff, it's so obvious it's coming from the top down when you have someone like that speaking. Uh, you can't, um, it's pretty hard to be an ostrich, right? Uh, the, as you say, you know, the, 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 it's, the, the pit is getting deeper and deeper and you can hardly even see the little feathered tail. <laughs> 
that it, it, it's, its head has gone so far. Soon the now. head will come out in China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they used to tell us as kids, if you dig deep enough, you'll come up in China. So I used to, I used to try it, but it never worked. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who wants to end up in China? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it, it's, uh, I mean, that is, uh, that's, uh, you can expect the modernists to be a modernist, but the, the uh, Novus Ordo conservatives seem to at least retain the virtue of faith. They, they want to be Catholics, they, they want to profess the true faith, yet they are locked in this fictitious world of trying to make a, a sense of, of all of this modernist rot. And so it, it's uh, it, very disconcerting. <clears throat> so in, earlier on in February, um, Cardinal Coco Palmerio, um, he his book came to the fore as the the answer to the the dubia. However, at the press conference, which coincidentally Co uh, Cardinal Coco Palmerio wasn't even there. Um, it was reported by Edward Pentin, a uh, Vatican commentator, who said that due to a diary clash, he says he'll give interviews in the coming days. That's why that was Cardinal Coco Pomerio's reason for not presenting his book. But it was also added at that conference that Coco Pomerio's book on Amoris Laetitia is not a response to the dubia, just his own pastoral reflections. And also... also um, Interestingly, as Father alluded to earlier on, um, Cardinal Coco Palmerio, for those um, unaware, was appointed by Benedict XVI in 2007 as the president of the Pontifical Council for Legislative Text, so a.k.a. Vatican's top lawmaker or law interpreter. Now, that's a very, a very significant that uh, Benedict appointed him. Uh, because it 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 uh, you know uh, shows really the depth of the rod Benedict perceived as a conservative, of course not being one, but appointing someone like him with crazy ideas like that. Yes, and you know another thing in this book is that um, he says that when you people are in one of these wounded situations or these uh, abnormal, if whatever word he puts on it, that they are able to stay in the situation and act as husband and wife or mistress and, and you know, companion, which would be a better term for it, uh, that they can act that way if, by separating, they would commit a new sin. And this really goes back to Ratzinger. If you, if you look at what Ratzinger said, I think it was in 2013 or 2012 maybe, uh, uh, concerning the use of birth control devices by, by prostitutes, that that was justified because it would help someone uh, not to contract AIDS. So by some extrinsic consideration of, of some good that you might do for somebody, you are permitted to commit what is intrinsically evil, a sin that is intrinsically evil not a sin that is evil by circumstance or, or any other consideration, but intrinsically evil, that is by its very nature evil, you are permitted to do that if for some other good. So you are permitted to commit adultery or fornication, which both are intrinsically evil, uh, in order to uh, not abandon 
as he says, the family or the, the children would not have a mother, you know, all of these things, uh, that, that would be a new sin, and it would be worse than the adultery or the fornication. Uh, he should be reminded that she is not the mother anyway. She is a, a live-in mistress. <laughs> she has no relationship to those children to begin with. All right, and but you know the children would not have a mother and all of this. Uh, that is so contrary to the teaching of the Catholic Church, also the teaching of Saint Paul, that he says, "Let us not do evil things in order that good things come about." And uh, and the Catholic Church has always taught that what is intrinsically evil can never be done for any reason, and that you must actually accept death rather than commit an act which is intrinsically evil. That's the common teaching of the Catholic Church. So to deny that is heresy because it is, is part of the teaching of the Catholic Church and it is based in Revelation. They don't even speak of intrinsic no. evil anymore. No, the, uh, you know, the, all the time that uh, I spent in the Novus Ordo Seminary back even in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, that, had, uh, that notion had gone out the it's window. It's because it's rooted in essence. You know, it, it, See, it, it's something by nature yep. evil. Nature is essence. So mm -hmm. it's essentially evil. It can never be right because it's essentially evil. Well, again, we're dealing with these stones in our heads, these big stones that have to come out because, you know, we can't live with <laughs> that sort of thing. And so it, it's, it's rooted in, in this subjectivism, which is really the... The, the foundation of the errors of Vatican II. Uh, the, uh, Vatican II places the human conscience above the teaching of the church. And that's what discernment is. See, you, <clears throat> you're faced with this situation. I'm living with this man, et cetera, et cetera. You have a discernment. And that is your conscience speaking over the teaching of the church. And then everything's okay. And that is seen in ecumenism, because all religions are okay because they're in accordance with your conscience, and religious liberty, that you have the right to believe whatever religion you want and, and to practice it, to, to establish seminaries and, and all sorts of ways of propagating it, because conscience is supreme. And the way that you arrive at, at the supremacy of consciousness is by subjectivism and relativism. That is what was injected into the, the minds of the clergy at Vatican II. Uh, and and you, you must understand that everything that has come out of it is based on that. Uh, and everything that we argue is always teaching of the church, teaching of the church against the, the primacy of conscience. Your conscience has to conform to the teaching of the church, like it or not. You know, and if you're in an, in an adulterous situation, you have to leave, you have to quit, because it's contrary to the, to the moral teaching of the Catholic Church. Uh, and that, that's the, 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 the civil war, so to speak, that is going on uh, in the Catholic Church. Well, what the, where we see this also uh, applied in practice by Coco Palmerio is, is actually in the next quote we have on the sheet, uh, his, uh, where he says that we have to revisit the notion of sacraments as only either valid or invalid. And <laughs> you say, uh, so uh, the idea is that, that here too, 
it's, uh, he's come up with the notion of a partially valid sacrament, which according to traditional Catholic theology is impossible. But, he's, uh, uh, but we're back in the world where there are no essences and everything is, on, everything is marked mm -hmm. on a curve. And the, the, um, uh, everything has elements of good, uh, perhaps not, not fullness, etc. But the whole idea of a sacrament being either valid or invalid is um, uh, something that it seems that he certainly does not, uh, does not accept. No, again, that goes back to uh, achieving the essence by means of pronouncing the words over a specific form, excuse me, a specific matter uh, that, that has a, yeah. an objective meaning. See, that is, for them is just unacceptable. Uh, it, 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 again, it's an imposition, you know, in this, you know, of something outside into our minds. And, and uh, a sacrament is instead something that means something to you that, that, that you live, that you experience, you see? And so validity is, is not all tied up with words and matter and all of that. It's, it's tied up with what it means to you. So if if you're satisfied with the sacrament, then then it's it's a success. So they will do that in order yeah. to let Lutherans in and Anglicans, because you know as long as you have some sort of elements of a sacrament, uh, you're okay. You know it's you've got it. Yeah, they dismiss the the traditional uh, uh, theology of sacraments as magic mm -hmm. words. That well, you you know the, the the consecration formula that that you know that's nice. That's part of it. It's telling a little history, a little story, which is nice. It's always nice to have stories. But you know maybe the whole Eucharistic prayer is sort of mm -hmm. consecratory, or sort of sanctifies things. So why get upset? Um, why get upset about uh, you know what your people used to call the words of consecration? And that of course is reflected in the. Uh, new Mass of Paul VI, where they, they spoke of the verba domini instead of the verba consecrationis, mm -hmm. because we're, we're getting away from that idea of, uh, of essences. Didn't they also refer to it as the narration? Uh, what is it, the uh, narration? Oh, yeah, the, it's uh, the yeah, institution yes. narration. Yes. You know, they're, they're telling yes. you a story. And um, it, that, in fact, in the practical order, was... Uh, how it was done, it was as if it was, uh, uh, the priest was telling you a story standing behind yes. the table. Um, the, um, uh, that, that, in fact, is, is what you would see among the more advanced, uh, as it were, uh, clergy, uh, the more evolved apes, <laughs> as it were, uh, in, in, you know, the seminary faculty. And then uh, I, as an organist, I would go around and, and substitute different churches. And the people who were really into the new theology, I mean, the idea of that they would lock eyes with you. They'd be telling you a story up there when they're standing behind that, that butcher mm -hmm. block table, you know. And, uh, but that's the idea. That it's, it's, it's kind of, I, I make it meaningful for you, for your mm -hmm. existence. And then it's, uh, then it's good, then it works. Remember that John Paul II 
uh, approved the mass without a, a, a words of consecration years ago. This was early two thousands. Oh, yeah. With the yeah. same idea that well, it's a it's a Christian Eucharistic service, and that the consecration words are there virtually. Uh, and this was for a group that was <laughs> yeah. Nestorian, who obviously would have, if you knew something about the Nestorian heresy, would have trouble with the divinity of the uh, body of Christ, that the, that the body of Christ is, is something that should be worshipped and adored with latria uh, that you would give to God himself uh, because of the hypostatic union. They deny that. So uh, obviously the Holy Eucharist, they would have deep problems with the Holy Eucharist. And therefore, the idea of consecrating the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ and adoring it is something totally contrary to their theology. And, and I'm sure that's why the thing disappeared in their liturgy. Uh, the, the words of consecration, which appear in, in all of the other liturgies, these are Nestorian heretics who, who took them out. And, and, and But that was okay. That's a valid mass and that Catholics living in Syria the few that there remain now probably, uh, can go, if they are deprived of their own Mass, they could go to the Nestorian Mass, uh, and which has no words of consecration, and, and assist at that. That was the rule. That that's, uh, came down. It, 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 Ratzinger was at the bottom of it. Ratzinger is, is a main figure in all of this corruption. It, ironically, by the... The insane Novus Ordo conservatives, he is seen as, you know, a, a great Reagan, so to speak, or, a, you know, this icon of conservatism uh, by, the, uh, by that. But he, he is at the bottom of all of this stuff. Uh, he was the one back in the 1970s who said that, uh, you know, a second marriage is okay uh, based on all of that uh, fake, uh, fake scholarship about uh, people... Uh, not being able to remarry uh, in the early church uh, on the part of the Montanists. And, and, you know, just, it was, well, I mean, it's too hard to go into now, but it was all fake, phony scholarship. And finally, he admitted that a few years ago, and he retracted it. But he wrote a book in the 1970s actually uh, justifying uh, adultery. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, he, he is at the bottom of all of this stuff. He hates scholastic philosophy, which is the philosophy of essences. He hates it. And, and he is uh, someone who uh, has really given us all the basis of the rot that we, we have. Just to uh, put it into um, context for our listeners, um, I, I was going to read the quote. I'll, I'll still read the quote, I think. Um, but just a brief explanation of where this... Um, discussion on communions come from was that our good friend Cardinal Coco Palmerio um, gave a press interview um, in at the beginning of March, March the 1st and in that he, he, he gave the following statement he said we say everything is valid nothing is valid, maybe we have to reflect on this concept of validity or invalidity the Second Vatican Council said that there is a true communion between Catholics and Protestants, even if it is not yet definitive or full. You see, they made a concept not so decisive, either all or nothing. It's a communion that is already good, but some elements are missing. 
But if you say some things are missing and that therefore there is nothing, you err. The, there are pieces missing, but there, are already, there is already a communion, but it is not full communion. The same thing can be said, or something similar, of the validity or invalidity of ordination. I said, let's think about it. It's a hypothesis. Maybe there is something, or maybe there's nothing. A it, study, a Just reflection. like a plane without a tail or a stabilizer. <laughs> yeah, most of it's there. <laughs> it, <laughs> When when I read that statement out aloud, it's it's like a reed in the wind. You know, it flops between left and right, backwards and forwards. There's uh, to me, I just I I don't have a clue what he's trying to say. Well, um, that, that's how that's how it's supposed to work, though. In other <laughs> words, that you're supposed to take away from that um, the idea that uh, you can't really have certitude in the sense that traditional Catholic theology had certitude about the church's teaching on the validity of the sacraments. So that's what you get from the flopping back and forth. That's the, the method of Vatican II, this but that, uh, this but that, this but that. And uh, you, it, it always ends up being taken on the level of the but that and uh, developed to another stage by modernists. That's how they Another operate. thing we're noticing here is what I would call suggestive magisterium. And this has been typical of Bergoglio, and that is to not put any official authority on all of these hard things that he says, but nonetheless, he says them. And it has the effect of deceiving the simple people who are not, you know, versed in, in whether it has all of the legal uh, you know, stamps on it that this is magisterium or not. He deceives everybody by, by having this come out of the Vatican or saying it himself uh, in such a way that people accept it, especially when it, when it confirms their sins. See, and then it gives, to, it gives him a, a deniability in the sense that it, it, well, you know, it doesn't fulfill all of the classical norms of magisterium, you see it. Although he did say about Amoris Laetitia that it was ordinary magisterium. But he, he lets all of this evil doctrine slide into the minds of people who don't make distinctions. And at the same time, the Novus Ordo conservatives say, well, you know, he didn't have this formula at the end or the date was wrong or some other technical thing was wrong. Therefore, we can discount it. Uh, for example, uh, Cardinal, uh, who's the Cardinal uh, uh, in charge of the uh, Knights? Uh, what's his name? Columbus uh, from... Uh, oh, Burke. Burke, you know, he said, well, Amoris Laetitia is just his opinion. See, so they, they, that, that was their defense. You see, of course it's terrible, but it, it's, it's just his opinion. And Bergoglio came back and said, no, it's ordinary magisterium. But that, that's their out all the time, that, that these things do not bear all the uh, official stamps of magisterium, and therefore we don't have to pay attention to them. But nonetheless, the damage is done. The damage is done, and that's a point that we really can't emphasize enough, uh, that um, the, uh, during his, Bergoglio's first year, there was a modernist writer, popular modernist writer, uh, I think a Franciscan priest, um, named Richard Rohr. And it was one of these statements of Bergoglio, who am I to judge, or something like that. And um, Rohr, uh, analyzed this, and he said, this is all very interesting, because he said how, uh, that uh, the bell 
uh, can't be unwrung for what he said. That this will become what Bergoglio has said, what Francis has said here is wonderful. It's become part of the, the, the uh, public record now and people will be quoting this. So uh, the, the, uh, it's, it's, it's part of the conversation and part of the discernment now. And that's exactly what Bergoglio is doing with all of these different uh, statements that he's, uh, that he's thrown out there. Uh, while conservatives like uh, uh, Burke and Company are trying to qualify it away by saying, well, it doesn't really have to be uh, listened to, etc. Just, uh, uh, just wait until you get someone uh, after Bergoglio, who is maybe a little more conservative, who tries to uh, put the brakes on some of this stuff. Because um, uh, what Bergoglio said is all of the public record is all part of his teaching. You can't undo that because the bell has been rung. And that is really the, the uh, uh, extremely significant and shows that he has, he has permanently poisoned the waters for the Novus Order conservatives, even though they, um, uh, they hesitate to admit it now. It's very pernicious. I think there's even confusion with inside the Novus Ordo Church. Uh, for instance, um, again going back to Cardinal Cucopomero's um, comments, I saw recently recent saw a ch uh, tweet by Bishop Kagan or Cargan, um, mm -hmm. I think he's an American, and he basically said adultery is adultery. Remember the sixth commandment, yes. and that's from within the Novus Ordo Church. And so, I, I wonder if I, I'd like to actually have a census taken. If I, I have no power to do it, but if I could get a census taken of the entire Novus Ordo Church and see how many bishops or how many um, parishes have undertaken the spirit of Chapter 8 Amoris Laetitia and see how much more sin is uh, and uh, false communion is taking place in those parishes. Well, the, 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 uh, the priests who would uh, frustrate the uh, Bergolian program in many dioceses is going to uh, get into trouble. And the, uh, uh, someone who, uh, say, takes a hard line, uh, takes a harder line toward um, these, these uh, type of false marriages that we're talking about. Uh, it's, it's, it's the guy who, it's uh, the uh, parish priest who goes through this whole discernment process and basically lets people do what they want, uh, it, that uh, in uh, practically speaking, that's what's going to happen because it's the road of least resistance and uh, that uh, you uh, uh, simply let things go. People see it as the road of least resistance. The Pope basically has um, uh, okayed uh, my course of action, this is what I discern, and that's it, I'm going to receive uh, the sacraments or consider myself, uh, um, uh, you know, in a state of, of grace. Uh, for example, the uh, Archbishop of Philadelphia uh, resisted Bergoglio on Amoris Laetitia, and he was passed over for uh, the cardinalatial dignity. Now, Philadelphia has had a cardinal, mm -hmm. I think, since the 19th century, or very close to that. I mean, it, it goes way, way back. 
as a cardinal they shall see in this country. And uh, so he was passed over as a punishment for having told his, uh, his priests that they cannot uh, uh, give Holy Communion or whatever they call it to uh, people who are living in adulterous unions. And uh, so he was punished for that. And uh, um, there are other cases of that too. Well, as as opposed to the cardinal for England and Wales, uh, Cardinal Vincent Nichols, he was recently seen in a photo with uh, Bergoglio, um, being really chummy, and he's he's a complete sycophant of Bergoglio. So, if Bergoglio says jump, he says how high and when do I stop jumping type thing. Um, well, let let me let me point out one other thing. The Bishop of Passau I saw recently in an article in Germany said that he would uh, bless uh, fornicatory unions and uh, people in irregular situations and all that, 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 uh, that he would give a blessing to these people. You know? So uh, that's another, uh, you know, it's another bite of the termite, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> another, another foundation yes, gone. Yes. So. Oh. We briefly mentioned Bergoglio before, and uh, we can't go an entire show. We've gone nearly 40 minutes without mentioning Bergoglio much. However, I do have some choice Bergoglio-isms for you. So for our listeners, you may remember um, the top five, shall we say. I mean, there are, there are numerous, but the top five Bergoglio quotes, um, such as, Who am I to judge? God is not Catholic. Um, if a close friend says a swear word against my mother, he's going to get a punch in the nose. Catholics don't need to breed like rabbits. And most marriages today are null. Well, listeners, we actually have another, a brand new one, a sixth um, famous Bergoglio gaffe. And this was done recently. Um, so I believe that it's beware the fundamentalists, my brother, and shun the fractious fomenters. Now, I'd like to think I'm quite au fait with my um, parent language, but even I had to look at what a look at what fermenter means. And the nearest I could find was someone who fosters discord or rebellion. So essentially, a troublemaker. So the essence of that quote from Bergoglio is that if you're fundamentalist, you're trouble. Oh, absolutely. He said that many, many times. I mean, over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, he, he despises pre-Vatican II and everything about pre-Vatican II, all the people who are trying to uh, adhere to pre-Vatican II, he despises them uh, and, and thinks that they are evil and, and fundamentalists and, and, and the worst thing that ever happened to the church. I believe the word rigid yes. has been used quite often yes. recently. No, oh, yeah, rigid. <laughs> <laughs> Father Jakarta and I identify with that very very easily because we were both called that in the seminary in the 1960s <laughs> and, and <laughs> gloried in it. Uh, it was, and, and he's repeating this stuff that he's, he's gotten back in the 60s. He's, he's just a, a, a creature of the 1960s, the typical modernist of the 60s, uh, Bergoglio. And uh, so, yes, uh, he, he, he hates it. He hates us. Uh, it, it's interesting that and we'll talk about this later, but that SSPX is getting such a free pass from him, apparently, 
even though they are supposedly rigid, but uh, it, it seems that they, they have given up their rigidity. They really don't criticize anything that comes out of the Vatican that I can see. Uh, they don't call it the uh, heresy, error, uh, pernicious, or anything like that. Uh, they are very silent. So it seems that they have given up their rigidity and are, are willing to be pluralistic, that you know they will have their views and and others will have their own views in the church, and and we'll all get along, and uh, you know, go uh, what is it, go along to get along? Is that what you say in England? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, you know, it, because uh, I don't see how they could come in and get all of that uh, free pass. Uh, uh, you know, this unbelievable prelature where they can uh, be essentially a, a floating diocese. Uh, and name their own bishops, etc., if we can believe what Bishop Fele says, unless they have given up rigidity. Uh, so, uh, you know, who knows what goes on behind the scenes between those people, but uh, uh, they have given it up for many years, really. They, they don't say anything. If you think back to the termite, termite analogy used earlier on, my lord, the if, you know, the SSPX are like that wooden pole that was once rigid, but so many termites have been through it and eaten away that it's now as floppy <laughs> as a, a wet sock. <laughs> yes, that's a good analogy. I'll have to remember that one for a sermon, especially when the time comes, when, the, when the wedding bells, uh, talk about a bell ringing, when the wedding bells ring for the, the great day. So moving on then, um, more Bergoglioisms we've got uh, lined up for our listeners. Um, so in the middle of February, um, Bergoglio um, echoes his great mentor, JP2, or to the uninitiated, Carol Waitiwa, and he meets Indians. Now, not just Indians from the land of India, um, Native Americans. Um, so yes, he did meet with a group of indigenous, representing indigenous peoples ahead of his Wednesday general audience. And he spoke to them about the need to reconcile the right to development, both social and cultural, with the protection of a particular characteristics of indigenous peoples and their territories. Well, hmm. uh, what he means by that probably is that uh, that Catholic missionaries should not go and preach to the the gospel to them, but that they should be left worshiping snakes and eating other people uh, as they're as they were wont to do in the past. You know that that the uh, that the evil European missionaries came and and changed their customs and and ruined this this wonderful culture that they had of of cannibalism and of uh, worshiping demons and various superstitions and of indescribable immorality, uh, that this is something that, that uh, should have been preserved. I'm sure that's what he means by that. Uh, that's uh, John Paul II went to the, the very site of where the uh, North American martyrs were martyred and apologized for them to the Indians. And by the way, that uh, March 16th is the very day in which Jean de Brébeuf was put to death uh, and uh, uh, in a most awful manner. Uh, and um, they, they uh, poured hot water, boiling water over him 
in, in mocking baptism, and then they put uh, a necklace of, of red-hot stones around his chest, and then finally they, they uh, put a, 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 a spear into his side, and the chief uh, came up and ripped out his heart and ate it in front of everybody. Uh, this is culture, you know, this is culture. And, and John Paul II uh, apologized for these missionaries who gave everything, gave up a comfortable life in France and came over and, and with great zeal preached the gospel to the Indians. Uh, so this is more of the same. This is a theme and variations uh, on this, this uh, idea that, uh, you know, we've done this harm to the indigenous peoples. As a matter of fact, there are, you know, with all of the satellites and everything today, they have discovered people in Brazil that have never been touched by modern civilization. And the idea is that they should be kept that way. So that they should not receive the benefits of modern medicine. They should not <laughs> receive the benefits of, of anything that human beings have discovered. Uh, they should be left just to, to run around essentially naked in the forest. Uh, that because that's an indigenous culture. And all of these cultures are based on original sin. They are the degradation of human beings because of original sin. Uh, and one sin leads to another, laziness and, and, and ignorance and, and so forth, until you have superstitions, until you have living in, in again, indescribable filth. Uh, and cannibalism and, and other forms of barbarism. Human beings turn into barbarians if the effects of original sin are not checked by grace. They, they might have some aspects, some elements of civilization here and there, but as a rule, they, they descend into barbarism, just like the, the Celts in England and Ireland, the, the, you know, they were cannibals and, and they had human sacrifice and the Druids and all. Uh, human beings descend into that, the, the German tribes. Uh, you know, it's, not, it's not just people in one part of the world or another. They, they sink into that as a result of original sin. And so these cultures, quote unquote, are really just the product of sin. And they need to be lifted up out of these cultures by the Holy Gospel. And that's why our Lord said to preach it to the whole world. Uh, and, you know, even the Romans and the Greeks had, had barbaric aspects uh, to their cultures and, and also incredible ignorance and, and superstition in the areas of religion. For, well, uh, for instance, um, I think Bergoglio has tied himself in knots recently um, by saying proselytism is poison because... If he said that you can't, you know, solemn nonsense. I think was the other. He said quote, it's quote. a sin. Um, it's you, a sin. Yes, yeah, exactly. So yes. So he's sort of uh, shot himself in the foot, so to speak, because now the the Catholic Church cannot go and um, convert these poor souls still living in original sin. Um, to the Catholic faith because it's poison and it's a sin against ecumenism. Yes. Um, Conscience over the teaching of the church. Conscience is supreme. And these people have chosen this, this religion and culture as, as a form, uh, uh, as, a, as something they feel is good and right and true. We have no right to go in and preach the gospel to them and have them give up these this religion, which is the source of their culture. All all culture is the source is 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 based on religion.
And you saw that you saw that begin to happen when the Vatican II changes were introduced. That is the the decline of the missionary orders, uh, and uh, how many of them are are, uh, are on the ropes now with no uh, with no vocation because there's no purpose. There's no real purpose to being a missionary, you know, except maybe bringing people clean water or, uh, you know, whatever they're, they're, they're taught to do now. But actually, the, the, the idea is not to convert them, but to, uh, as they say, evangelize them. But the, the idea is, is, is not to bring them to uh, uh, acknowledge Jesus Christ as, as God and the Savior of the world, but uh, simply to sort of lay things out there for them and give them the good news. Yeah, that to you convince the, them that God is in them, and if they you know look inside their souls, they can find God, and uh, that uh, you know they they get turned on to God by the evangelist. That's the new evangelization. It's not it's not a question of yeah. proposing the gospel and proposing dogmas to them and baptizing mm. them and having them give up so religions. So we move on there. Yeah. Um, so this next topic that we're going to talk about is quite close to my home um, because, um, and before spoilers, uh, listeners, it's um, about Anglican liturgy in St. Peter's. So um, for those um, listeners who may or may not know, I was once an Anglican for my sins. And um, this was, oh, it was yesterday, wasn't it? Um, the first ever Anglican liturgy was celebrated in St. Peter's at the Vatican. Um, now, before we go on to talk about it, there is an excellent video doing the rounds on the internet at the moment on YouTube, and it's titled Apologize. And um, it's effectively um, calling Pope Francis, or, uh, well, it's quoting Pope Francis and his apologies to the Protestants for Catholics being too harsh on them in the past. Um, however, um, the video then goes to state, well, is Queen Elizabeth going to um, apologise for killing many priests, Catholics, nuns, seminaries? Is is Henry VIII going to apologise? So you can see, uh, again, the video is probably quite satirical, but um, it's, it makes a very valid point that, that you know, why should the Norvus Ordo or the supposedly Catholic Church, uh, in quotation marks, um, apologise to the world when actually the world has done even greater crimes to the Catholic Church. So, yes, on March the 13th, uh, the Vatican did permit its Anglican, quote, friends to celebrate a choral evensong. Um, now, um, before the before the bishop and father dissect this even further, um, to the listeners, evensong is effectively the Anglican version of um, Vespers. But traditionally in England, Evensong is um, it's about 6.30 p.m. Um, a, a couple of people go, they sing a few hymns, and then they have a cup of tea and a biscuit afterwards. It's, it's a very English affair, um, having been to several in the past. Father so. Chicada says, great music and no confessions. <laughs> <laughs> The, the 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 thing that occurred to me though is that um, uh, so the Anglicans are celebrating a Protestant service in 
St. Peter's Basilica, but I mean, that's been going on uh, since the Mass of Paul VI was instituted. (laughs) And uh, I've I've often said to people that the um, uh, Novus Ordo is essentially Anglicanism, but with bad music. (laughs) So... (laughs) At, at least you get that in St. Peter's. <laughs> right. Right. They did have a choir there, I think. they were. I didn't listen to them, but they were probably pretty good. Uh, England is known for... Oh, Merton College, for, yeah. For, I'm sure it was uh, absolutely spectacular. Yes. Probably a lot better than what they produce in, you know, in the Vatican. No, actually, the uh, I'm sure the choir of Merton College is better than the Vatican choir because actually among musicians, the Vatican choir has a reputation for being really not too good if you listen very closely. So um, also probably there was more Catholicism in the in the English prayer book than there is in the in the Novus Ordo Vespers. I'm going to <laughs> to assume. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Probably certainly more formality. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. But it is, um, uh, joking aside, I mean, it is something that is significant uh, because it it, it simply shows that um, it it really, in the practical order, does not matter what you believe. That, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, perfectly fine to have a service such as this in uh, St. Peter's uh, Basilica. No, the uh, Anglicans have elements, so, you know, why not? The, the 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 elements of ecclesiology, uh, and you know they maybe have elements of validity now in their um, uh, in their bishops and their ministry and their bishops. So you know, yeah, and uh, bishopesses, yeah, <laughs> bishopettes, sure. So uh, you know why uh, why not? Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh... And the the women priests. Oh, that was so so funny to see in those English cathedrals. The women priests. Oh, I think I'll never uh, forget that. I think I think there's a few now. These little girls essentially dressed up in a cassock. I mean, it was something like uh, you would see at a costume party or something. And we were supposed to take them seriously. You know, they're walking around yeah, these uh, these English cathedrals, and we're supposed to take them seriously. And you just feel like saying, "Why don't you take that thing off, and, and you know, yeah. put on a dress or something like that." <laughs> and you can tell that the that the vocations, quote unquote, that they're getting are from the women and not from the men. So the the women will probably completely take sure. over that sure. that church. Well, it's it's the equality of the sexes, isn't it? Any any job a man can do, a woman can do equally. And uh, it, I've I've seen it all throughout um, modern society, where where there's a shortage of men. This is happens quite in um, in the military. You know, for instance, as as you know, my lord, I was a um, a submariner or a, a submariner, as Americans call it. Um, and they've recently allowed women to serve at sea on UK mm-hmm. submarines, and that pre- previously it was banned. Yes, um, yes but power, yes. I mean, my cynical attitude to it is: oh, the men are leaving in the navy in flocks, um, so they'll just get women to fill the role um, that men can do. So it's an extra pool of manpower, sure. really. Sure. Yes. And by the way, did you see all the scandals recently in this country? in the uh, military academies because they permit women in them. Well, there's all sorts of assaults and rapes and, and well, what do you expect? And then they, they have these, <laughs> these victims in the military, victims of these 
female soldiers that have posed with no clothes on. And these things get tossed around from place to place, of course, through the internet. And now they're, they're saying, oh, you know, we are victims of this, you know. And I'm thinking, well, why did you do that in the first place? To have your picture taken that way. <laughs> and, you know, the military has never been known for being a sanctuary of holy purity. I mean, no military in any country has, has had that reputation. Rather, the opposite is true. It is a place where young men are usually very concerned about girls and, <laughs> and finding girls. Uh, they're, they're a little cooped up amongst themselves, and they go out and find usually prostitutes. You put women in a situation like that, things are going to happen. And we don't know this after the age of the world, after thousands and thousands of years uh, of human history. We don't know that throwing women into a, a military situation is going to cause assaults and rapes and all sorts of other evil things. We don't know that. You know, and these women saying we're victims, get off of it. Get off no. of it. It's just nonsense. So the next war will be a, a war between women, I suppose. Uh, you know, they will hit each other with their pocketbooks and, and <laughs> scratch each other and things like that. Um, c coming back to the uh, topic of uh, the, the Anglican Even song. Now, um, what I would like to see, in all, in all seriousness, what I would like to see is one of those American Southern Baptist choirs perform even song you know with their loud music and guitars you know hallelujah type uh, thing that, that to uh, me would don't, be, uh, don't, <laughs> don't give them any ideas <laughs> i think that that stuff probably has, has happened already that they've had crazy music like that they had uh if i'm not mistaken at one point they had a some sort of a south american Samba mass or something like mm. that that was actually was orchestrated and it had a, a you know a crazy women soloists uh, performed at the Vatican as part of some rite as part of some service. Mm -hmm. So I think that that they've seen just about uh, uh, they've seen just about everything. It wouldn't surprise me if they've uh, they had a, a, a Southern Baptist choir, so a Black Baptist choir there singing. Not at all. And, you know, the evangelicals wouldn't do that because they believe that their religion is the one true religion, and they would not participate in anything Catholic. Oh, yeah, sure. So of course you, not. you wouldn't get them yeah. into St. Peter's Basilica. They wouldn't be caught dead there because they, you know, in a certain sense to their credit, they believe that, the, that what they think is true <laughs> and therefore that what is what is contrary to what they think is false. At least they're there. At least they're at that point. Whereas in ecumenism, nothing is true, nothing is false. It's all just gray and, and whatever, uh, which is totally contrary to God's well, essence. Whilst it's, um, I mean, it's, it's completely not acceptable to have a false religion um, or a false version of Catholicism in the Vatican. Um, we'll, we'll park our feelings on the Novus Ordo for now. But how long do you think it will be before there is um, you know, a Jewish service or uh, an Islamic prayers on a Friday or, um, you know, 
voodoo snake worshippers. I know they did it of, of, at the Assisi meetings, but I mean, uh, the Vatican, as you said before, my lord, is sort of like the moon. You know, it has a gravi- it has a gravitational pull to all Catholics. So, uh, as the center of Catholicism, do you think they're um, how long are we on a timescale are we waiting for before there's uh, um, Islam and all that malarkey there? Well, the thing is that I, I, I don't think that, that uh, uh, you know, your Orthodox Jews are going to be interested in that in the slightest. Um, you know, while they're, they're, they're uh, happy to uh, make buddies with Bergoglio as an ally. I can't see them actually running a service, nor really can I see the uh, serious Muslims doing anything like that in uh, St. Peter's Basilica itself. I mean, the the uh, you know because of the images and everything. Uh, I think that they're they're uh, operating sort of on uh, they like to operate on another level. You know, the Muslims would like to take over the whole shooting match. At the Vatican, and you know, I'm sure that one day they they uh, will, thanks to um, uh, contraception in the Novus Ordo, that that the, the uh, Europe will be uh, uh, will be Muslim. But uh, as as far as in the meantime, that's not something I can see. I don't think either of those religions is that interested in common worship. Well, you do have liberals though within both of those religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not homogeneous. Uh, you know, not every Muslim is, is uh, someone who is steeped in Islam and all of the principles of the Quran. You, you get liberals in those. And I could see they're doing it. I could see some uh, liberal uh, reformed Jews doing it. Uh, and the, But in any case, there's nothing stopping it on the part of Bergoglio or the Vatican. I mean, you know, no, there's absolutely no. no principle. If they could find somebody, uh, they would they would bring them in. If they could get a snake worshiper from Africa, they they would bring them in. There's no, there's, you know, there's no principle that stops it. So uh, you know, time wise, I think it's more a question of, uh, you know, Bergoglio's mood or possibilities. Uh, you know, it could happen anytime, really. You know, but it may never happen. But uh, certainly, all the principles are there for it. Uh, conscience over teaching. Well, if you think back to last year's uh, Holy Week services on the on the Monday on the Monday, um, the only time Bergoglio, because Bergoglio has troubles with his knees, and um, he doesn't 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 kneel when he um, basically consecrates the Novus Ordo sacrament of communion but he's very quick to kneel to wash the feet of Muslims and women and um, etc at the Maundy service which that was last year so uh, who, who knows what he'll do this year and I, I believe that's I'll probably be on the next show what what Bergoglio did during Holy Week. Yeah, that's usually small potatoes, though. I mean, every day for him is a scandal against the faith. I mean, you know that that he he is washing the feet of Muslim girls or something is, is really sort of a footnote to the rest of it. So, um, just m- moving on topics, um, the. I think I sent you the image of the, well, they released the image uh, in February of the Pope Francis's visit to Fatima, and as we discussed on our last show, uh, 
this year, 2017, a year of anniversaries. It's the um, 100 years of Fatima. And um, the interesting thing about the image, and I suggest our listeners to go and Google the Fatima logo, is that there's not really much... I'm looking quite intensely at it, and there's not really much... um, There's nothing really to do with Our Lady. Um, There's the word Papa Francesco in bold right in the centre and a big love heart with, I think, a rosary in there. Um, So... The the Novus Ordo are making a big deal of Fatima anniversary and Pope Francis is visiting, but what are we to make of this, my lord? Well, uh, I don't think Francis believes in God, so you know I think this is just a, <laughs> a way of stirring up the crowds, which he he want he likes to do to. To, uh, he always has a hope that the Nova Sordo is going to be successful by his stirring up of the crowds, just like John Paul II. I don't know if I don't know if you noticed, but uh, last year nine million people defected from the quote unquote Catholic faith in Brazil uh, and passed over to something else in Brazil, and they were counting on Brazil to be the the great you know hope of the future. All those Catholics there and. And uh, but it's going the way of everything else. And as I said in my <laughs> newsletter, the 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 many bishops, probably hundreds of them, waving their hands back and forth in front of the homosexual dancers, uh, didn't uh, attract the crowds. I mean, there were a lot of there was a lot of people there and a lot of singing and yelling and all. But you know, nine million left. Uh, they they were not uh, attracted by that, and uh, so you know the Nova Sordo has failed in, in er- on every front, uh, and and yet the the rule is well we have to give it more juice, more Nova Sordo juice, and and you know but stick another needle in the arm, and that will fix it. And so you know I don't think that he believes in our Blessed Lady. I don't think he believes in Fatima. I think this is just uh, something like what Trump does. And that is have these rallies where thousands of people show up and, you know, oh, you know, you're the greatest and there's clapping and there's songs and all. Uh, you know, I, I think that's it, that, that it's a pep rally, what we call a pep rally in, in the United States. I don't know if you call it that in England, but uh, the, uh, I think that's all it is. Frankly, uh, we don't really have an equivalent to pep rallies. I think we're very English and very uh, stick up <laughs> yes. a lip is the, the, the expression. <laughs> that would be something abhorrent in, in England, probably. You know, they have the stiff a, upper lip rallies. Trump I think. style rally. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, we'd we'd sit round drinking tea and that's and, yes. and drinking tea and having a biscuit and that'll yes. be oh, the Americans are at it again. Oh type expression. No. That was that was my posh voice for the listeners, by the way. Well, your Excellency, you brought up something uh, again. Uh, another theme that that needs to be emphasised is that um, the statistics and everything are declining in the Novus Ordo Church. While uh, Bergoglio has this huge popularity, um, uh, you know, according mm-hmm. to the um, uh, according to different polls, now he's in the cover. I think of Rolling Stone uh, uh, magazine in in uh, Italy. So he's he's a celebrity figure. He's someone who's famous for being famous, as they say. And every uh, everyone seems to have 
in, in the secular world has a very positive opinion about him. Um, the uh, Bishop Dolan ran into uh, someone he was trying to get a, a, ba a battery replaced in his watch, and uh, some fellow who belongs to some uh, Piney Woods Baptist type of church was talking about you know really how great uh, uh, great Bergoglio is etc. So he's he's a popular guy, but it's not um, a, a, the Bergoglio effect is is simply that he's simply popular, and it is not uh, drawing people really to the Novus Ordo despite the fact that you know he's he's uh, trying by inst instituting quite openly all these different. Uh, uh, teach, uh, uh, changes in Catholic uh, morality, so it's not it's it's not working, it's not working, and uh, the the uh, 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 despite it all, it's it's all a uh, uh, it's all a show. Mm -hmm. It's like the bishops waving their arms. Yes, and I think that you'll see thousands of people there, and they will see Vivil Papa and all, but. There's going to be, I guarantee, no increase of faith nor decrease of adulteries and fornications as a result of it. We'd like to remind you that you're listening to Francis Watch on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Dan Fitton, and you're listening to His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn and Father Anthony Chicada. So I think we've talked uh, um, a lot about uh, recent events in the church, but there's um, two main topics now in the next uh, sections of our show. Um, so this one, I, I think we've alluded to there's been conflict in the church, um, but recently it's been more pronounced. And this I'm referring to, for our listeners' sake, the um, Pope posters, so the Francis posters that one morning, um, sleepy Rome, they went out to get their morning croissant and their morning glass of red wine, as Italians do, and they woke up to find the Rome was um, completely covered in a picture of Bergoglio, probably not looking his best, and with the caption, Our Francis, you have intervened in congregations, removed priests, decapitated the Order of Malta and the Franciscans of the Immaculate, ignored cardinals, but where is your mercy? So this was the um, Francis posters that appeared all over Rome, um, which is quite interesting. Um, the, the, thing, the finger would naturally be pointed to those pesky, those pesky fundamentalists, those, trouble, those fomenters, those troublemakers. Um, but who do we actually know who was behind it, or do we do we have a good idea who was behind it? Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> well, I think that the I think the most remarkable thing about it is that there were Italians up early enough in the morning to put up these posters. <laughs> I, I think that, that that's uh, uh, if ever you uh, you know went to Rome. Uh, the, the morning hours are quite still, let's put it that way. But the, uh, well, there are clearly some Novus Ordo conservatives, I would say, or perhaps people who are even of our ilk, uh, who uh, pointed out some very, very valid things here, that, that he has been Stalinist in his approach to people who disagree with him and has been brutal. Uh, and has, as it says, removed priests, decapitated the Order of Malta and the Franciscans, 
uh, and uh, he's ignored cardinals. I mean, he is a brutal person. He's a very mean, mean-spirited person and, and uh, vengeful uh, person. And uh, yes, you know, where is your mercy? This is a, uh, that uh, the, uh, you know, we're supposed to be all nice to each other and, and uh, you know, you're a hypocrite, essentially. That, that's the, the next sentence that isn't said. Uh, but uh, so... Um, uh, it's it's a sign that there's some resistance to him. Uh, again, what kind of resistance? If it's a resistance that wants to let Vatican II pass for Catholicism, then it's useless uh, because Bergoglio is Vatican II. He's carrying out Vatican II, and any attempt to put the brakes on Vatican II is simply useless because it will take its own course. And Bergoglio is is at the helm of Vatican II taking its course. Uh, if these are people who understand that he is not a true pope and and that he is doesn't represent the Catholic Church, then you know I think their point is very well taken. Uh, so we just don't know. We don't know. But I mean, I would say it's a step in the right direction. Certainly, it, it reminded me of um, an anecdote in Bugnini's book about the. Uh, liturgical reform, where uh, the day on which the uh, Novus Ordo Missae was uh, supposed to take effect, um, a, a group, I assume, of conservatives uh, poured red dye into the, the uh, fountains of Rome and handed out, uh, put up posters talking about, you know, let the, 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 the fountains and rivers of Rome run with blood at the death of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. You know, something sort of Italian and, and um, uh, dramatic. You know, certainly their hearts there uh, were in the, the right place as far as we know. But it's, it's a, as Bishop Sanborn says, if it's a resistance that's sort of based on Vatican II, then it's an entire waste of time because that is what has to be dumped. And it is Bergoglio who is the incarnation of uh, the Second Vatican Council. Yes. Now, it was done apparently by people of Rome because the words were in the Roman dialect and not in standard Italian. So that mm -hmm. would seem to indicate that these were residents of Rome or at least the Roman province. Ah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, who would do that? Who would think to do that? You would put it in Italian. But they, they put it in the Roman dialect, which is, you know, close to Italian, but a few words are different. So I see that Pius X uh, didn't care for this at all. They said that it was uh, uh, passive-aggressive. Oh, there's that. that's that phrase, passive-aggressive. Yeah, yes, and disrespectful yes. method of correcting the sovereign pontiff. It didn't uh, Monsignor Lefebvre himself uh, design and have uh, different society outlets uh, print cartoons that were directed against JP2? Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, he did. Uh, those went all... And it showed him going to hell. It showed him being judged by Christ and sent to hell. And that, that's small, that makes the, the posters in Rome look like nothing. Imagine if those cartoons were put up in Oh, Rome. yeah, that's right. No, the, the, um, uh, so it's, it's um, strange reading something like this from the Society of St. Pius X, although they were in an organization that was never exactly known for their, for their humor. 
So uh, I suppose we can we can <laughs> expect a uh, at least not for intentional humor. Uh, so I suppose or or consistency or consistency. So I suppose this is something that we can uh, just uh, expect a reaction. We can expect though. Did, Father Chicada, didn't you send out a tweet uh, in, in sort of in honor of this? Uh, this statement that uh, there should not be satirical criticism. Didn't you send out something uh, like that? Y- <laughs> yes, in fact, uh, in fact, I did. And I, uh, I think we sent out a picture of the uh, 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 one of the promos for one of the previous shows that showed um, uh, Bergoglio and Filet as the bride and groom walking down the aisle. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I wouldn't call that passive-aggressive. I would call that aggressive-aggressive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, and satire is one of the most effective forms of criticism. And as long as it's directed <laughs> against the right thing, it is perfectly legitimate. Because it, it, it points out the inconsistency. Uh, and, and that's part of its effectiveness as a rhetorical device. And it, it, it points out the, uh, you know, inconsistency so many times in an opponent's argument. So it's, it's uh, uh, mm-hmm. in this case, I think it was uh, at least well-deserved. Um, for our listeners' benefit, um, after the, uh, about a week after the, um, the Pope post has appeared all over Rome, the sspx.org, and this is on their website, um, released an article um, about um, satire, the new way to combat the crisis. And they state, in an age where anonymous dissent is celebrated, the Pope is not immune. Satirical Mm -hmm. criticism has swept through Rome in recent weeks. And then there's there's some drivel. um, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. I'm not being satirical there. I'm just saying it's drivel. Um, But further down in the the article, they say, further, and as we have touched on before, we cannot support this passive-aggressive and disrespectful method of correcting the sovereign pontiff. While privacy and confidentiality are not without their place, hiding behind a computer screen has unfortunately become an accepted method of public discourse. Letters without signatures, anonymous emails and posts on websites using pseudonyms are not done by men of fortitude and conviction in the truth. They are the acts of cowards who, like the mythological figure Eris, only seek to attain their goals, however noble they may be, through chaos. That's a very, very strange statement um t- talking about letters without signatures and um, anonymous emails all that sort of stuff um when the fact really the the sspx used to criticize rome or resist in um um quotation marks um but now i think this this piece here is seen as more of um, appeasement you know to say to rome no no we cannot possibly be associated with these satirical people because we think the pope is correct and uh, or despite our doctrinal differences we think he's correct or we think is a pope and it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous um well obviously they're doing that in order to gain acceptance with the vatican and so they're being good little boys and uh, saying that you know, if we need to correct the Holy Father, we should do it in a very respectful way, and that means don't make any waves, and uh, which they've been observing for many, many years. 
and uh, uh, Arshish Lefebvre uh, called Job Hall to an antichrist. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how uh, uh, how that fits into all of this. I mean, he was very bold, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it goes far beyond anything that they mention here. I mean, my goodness, calling the the Pope an antichrist. Uh, the uh, and and you know, he, he was very clear about criticizing all of those. Uh, uh, he was not in any way soft in his better moments uh, regarding what those uh, Vatican II popes were doing. And so, you know, this is, this is again, a, oh, you know, just a, a diplomacy. It's, it's Lefebvre's diplomatic side uh, on steroids, let's put it that way. The, if you look at Lefebvre, you know, you, you see his his anti-modernist side that is very strong occasionally, but then there was that diplomatic side which pursued this course, you know, that we should keep our mouths shut, we should just look for a, a niche in the modernist cathedral and, and just mind our own business and do our work. Uh, and uh, th this is, that attitude developed into the extreme. So that's why we haven't heard from them even though they have a pedestal, a worldwide pedestal to attack modernism, which we don't have, uh, they nevertheless have been silent concerning the outrageous things that, that uh, uh, Bergoglio has said and Ratzinger has said too. Outrageous, that cry to heaven for condemnation, but nothing that comes out of Mensingen. Nothing at all. Um, so uh, barely a week after um, the, the Pope posters appeared, there was um, uh, another um, email set basically to, you know, the, the Zervatavo uh, Romano, the Vatican's official newspaper. And um, there was a fake email with a caption um, of this um, a headline page of the Pope with his finger in the air. And the, the headline was, he answered. And this again, of course, was to the the dubia, and uh, effectively it, it listed all five um, uh, all all uh, questions that the cardinals asked um, Francis, and the answer to it was si et non, or yes and no. So <laughs> yes, it was very skillfully done in Italian. Uh, you know, just a lot of gobbledygook, which you usually get. Uh, each answer was full of contradiction and, and just gobbledygook. It was very funny. Very funny. Yes. And in <laughs> Italian, it was even better. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, for a for a minute or two, as I read it, I, I it didn't quite latch on. I, I wasn't quite, I didn't clutch into the fact it was satire. I actually thought it was real because I thought, well, actually, that is their response to all the dubious. Yes and no. <laughs> That's why it was so funny, because <laughs> you 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 sound as gullible as an English accuse Americans of being. <laughs> Sense of irony. Well, you know, Father Chicada did the same thing back in when we had our uh, big blow up with the SSPX. Uh, Bishop Williamson would put out a, a monthly newsletter. Uh, that would blast us every, every month for evils and whatnot. And and so he put out one that looked just <laughs> like it and imitated Bishop Williamson's style. 
<laughs> so well that I only started to doubt it when we, I got to page three. Somebody handed it to me. Uh, 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 it was in Rochester, New York. And, oh, this is Bishop Williams. And so I started reading it, and it was only something about the ten toes, ten towing it on a surfboard. You see, Bishop Williamson is well known for all of his analogies, and some of them are a yeah. little stretched. But, you know, you sort of expect that. But when I got to the ten towing it on the surfboard, I thought, is this, is this really Bishop Williamson? You, know, you see, the, the, the image was that the society was like a skilled surfer riding the wave of tradition <laughs> up the coast of California. <laughs> and uh, somehow able to hang 10, <laughs> 10 of his toes over the uh, edge of the surfboard, which is a great uh, sort of skill. And there were allusions to Disney beach movies and everything, uh, a typical Williamson production. <laughs> oh, typical of Bishop Williamson. It was so close. I mean, as I said, it took me three pages to figure out what <laughs> you got. So this has been done before. <laughs> this has been done. If that were not in Italian, I would have uh, suspected the Father Giacato right away. <laughs> well, Father, you did say it wasn't you. So uh, <laughs> no, not n not guilty this time around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so, uh, carrying on our theme of uh, discontent and um, Francis posters and anonymous articles, anonymous websites, um, there's a very interesting um, article I picked up. Um, so, uh, to our U US listeners, there's a, a newspaper in the UK called The Guardian, which is about as liberal as... Uh, it, it's so liberal, it's far out there. It's, it's off the scale of liberalism. And um, they actually picked up a... Uh, they're very anti-religious as well, by the way. But they picked up a, um, a note about, uh, about this story. And um, again, this, this feeds into what um, His Excellency said earlier on. Was um, so the, the the tagline was Vatican Civil War Conservatives Battle Francis um, during Lent, and they, they they the crux of the article was whilst hugely popular across the globe with Catholics and non-Catholics alike, Francis has struggled against fierce opposition from the Vatican establishment to haul the Roman Catholic Church into the twenty first century fought to reform its government, tried to persuade cardinals to revise their thinking on the divorce and remarried, and been openly opposed by rebel prelates. Um, so without, um, again, as I used the word drivel earlier on, uh, this article is drivel, but I found, to me, it's a bit of a wake-up call when a liberal newspaper picks up something which is going on in the Catholic world or any when any mainstream paper picks up um, a, a piece of the significant uh, news I, I do get quite interested with this so um, what do you have um, similar liberal um, style news outlets in the US that have picked up on this story at all my lord or well, of course, the, uh, I think the New York Times wrote about it. Uh, and uh, they're probably as bad as The Guardian uh, in, in uh, the United States. Um, but, uh, you know, one, he uh, one hears that uh, they like to dramatize um, 
stories and dramatize conflicts in in uh, such a way that they can um, uh, you know sum it up in um, uh, one sentence. But it is uh, it is interesting that uh, now they're they're turning their attention to uh, to this sort of conflict, and uh, so they 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 are picking it up, and it's something that's becoming newsworthy and uh, becoming news. So you know they're they're becoming aware of it and they're watching. Again, this is not a war between Catholics and modernists. This is a war between modernists. This is a a civil war between moderate modernists, we might say, and radical modernists. And which, of course, makes no sense because modernism, by its very nature, is radical. And uh, as St. Pius X says, it goes to the very root of, of the faith. It, it, it wants to pull it up by the root. The, that's the very term radical. Radix in Latin means, means root. So it, by its very nature, it's radical. So the moderate modernists... Uh, uh, feel that Bergoglio is going too fast and he, he is sort of uh, overturning the apple cart uh, and they don't like it, but they are modernists themselves. There's nobody more modernist than Mueller, who's, you know, who's you know, supposedly one of these conservatives that is fighting. Uh, uh, and some of those others that are, that are, that are uh, you know, resisting or in some way showing displeasure, are, they're modernists. They just... Uh, they are at the end of the train. Uh, Bergoglio is at the uh, at the locomotive. He's the you know he's leading it, and and they will eventually follow. They they will cave in. They will go along. Uh, they want to keep their places. They 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 have been modernists their whole lives. They have been rewarded for their modernism uh, by being made cardinals and being given those positions. That they, they you know so it's I don't think there's really anything much to it in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think it's grumbling at the most, but, but I don't think there's anything to it. The, the radical modernists are in power, and they will most likely stay in power, unless you have some sort of a schism. Now, if you have a schism, things might eventually go the right way, but they won't go the right way uh, immediately. Uh, it'll just be a, a schism among modernists. Vatican II has to be dumped. It must be dumped. And for as long as that thing is around, you will have significant and deep radical problems in the Catholic Church. Yeah, the, the way I look at it is it's like the New York crime families fighting among each other. You know, you've got the Gambinos and the Genoveses and, and uh, Colombo and, uh, and Lucchese and everything. And, uh, you know, Joey Three Fingers and, and uh, uh, Tony and the, the horse head and in the everything. bed. Isn't that one of the, uh, and the fish and the dead fish? And isn't yeah, that you know, the... it's, it's, it's <laughs> a, uh, these are uh, gangsters and criminals who are fighting among uh, each other for, uh, for domination. They have different ways of doing things and they they have uh, uh, you know different uh, businesses as it were that they're they're interested in the numbers racket or you know cigarette smuggling or something like that and uh, loan sharking so they're uh, they're all acting uh, you know in, in light of their own concerns and they have you know the, I mean the modernists do fight among themselves in terms of their stupid academic theories 
And uh, uh, so you have a, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a situation like that. It's, it's all bad, they're all criminals, but they just have a different, um, uh, you know, different interest in crime. Yeah, it's like the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. No, no. Uh, it, it's something like that, you know. It's a in, in infra-party struggle, and uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Mensheviks think the Bolsheviks are too much, and uh, but the Bolsheviks won out, as we know. Yeah. And uh, so the uh, what Bergoglio has on it, his side is the logic of Vatican II. Mm -hmm. uh, what the the conservative modernists. Uh, don't have on their side is the fact that they are trying to hold back something that by its very nature wants to go ahead. Of course. And uh, so so they always fail. I mean, whatever they do, they fail at because they have no no reason or logic with them. They have to give up Vatican II and then, then they have something to say. Um, following on from um, the, the Guardian, so uh, there's another English newspaper, the London Times, which is... Um, a slightly more upmarket, shall we say, newspaper than uh, The Guardian. Um, and they actually reported um, an article with um, Vatican expert, um, I, I'd, I'd probably quote expert, um, Antonio Socchi, and he um, quoted that a large part of cardinals who voted for him, i.e. Francis, is very worried, and the curia that organised the election and uh, accompanied has accompanied him thus far, without ever dissociating itself from him, is cultivating the idea of a moral suasion to convince him to retire. So that article was on one Peter five via the London Times. Um, so there is this um, in the upper workings of the Vatican. There is this discontent, and I think it's this more of this modernist civil war that's still erupting. But as as you said, my lord, um, they've got to uh, throw uh, Vatican II down the tubes mm -hmm. to... Uh, Precisely. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. Always makes me laugh when I when I quote when I quote uh, one of your previous sermons on the tubes. <laughs> I hear myself quoted quite a bit. I better watch what I say. <laughs> um, yes, again, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's within the same party. Uh, it convinced him to retire. I don't think he's going to retire. Uh, I think he he knows exactly what he's doing. He sees this as his opportunity. Uh, he has no regard for any of those people anyway. He thinks that they're rigid, that they're they're just uh, back peddlers, so to speak, and uh, are not with it. And uh, no, nah, that that's 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 all nonsense. The the only thing that they can do that is positive, we might say, a step in the right direction, would be to start a schism. <laughs> to say that, yes, that if as few of them would get together and say this man is a heretic and we're going to elect a pope. Now, you know, you'd get somebody very imperfect, but at least that would be a step in the right direction. Uh, the, the, he, he would be another modernist. He'd be a, a, a conservative modernist, you know, but I would say that's a step in the right direction. At least there would be some idea of breaking from this this grip that Vatican II has upon uh, the institutions of the church for 50 years. Yeah, that would be another pillar falling in the forum, as it were, you know, and, and <laughs> yes, uh, yes. it would make quite a racket, I think. Yes, so, yes. Uh, 
but failing that, if failing that, uh, I think all they're doing is, again, wringing their hands, rolling their eyes, and shaking their heads, and that's how they absolve themselves. It, it, would, it would split yeah. in two. And uh, face it, uh, the... Uh, you know, the, the, the bell has been rung as far as the crazy, different crazy things that he said. And um, there's not going to be, uh, even if they elect Burke, he's not going to be able to turn it around. Because what Bergoglio has done is sort of pull the glue out of, out of, out of the whole institution with all of his, his, uh, his crazy statements. And you can't you can't undo that work. He can't, um, a conservative could not, let us say, appeal to authority somehow to uh, undo the damage because people wouldn't listen. Yes, and it's there. It's part of the official record. Sure. You can't just you know, flush it down the toilet and say, well, that was a, a, a bad day in the Vatican. Yeah. It, it's there. It, it's, it's stinking. <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, and you're stuck with it. The only way to get rid of it is to say that man was never the Pope. Yep. See? and But, you know, that, that's anathema to them. They, they would sooner uh, embrace all the anathematized doctrines of Vatican II than to take that route, which is totally in accordance with the teaching of the Church, the, the doctors of the Church, the popes, and, and all theologians. Sure. You know, no, that, that, that course is closed to them. The, rather, we will embrace Vatican II and its changes and all of these horrors of Bergoglio rather than to, to move in that direction. So, again, speaking on Bergoglio, I think it gives us a good uh, opportunity to move into our next topic of conversation. As our listeners are probably aware, we've been alluding to this throughout the show, and I, I said at the beginning of the show that our final topic is SSPX and Rome. So, I... I, uh, I said to the bishop and uh, Father Chicardo, I, I liken this to a very slow dance or a waltz. Um, each side, so Bishop Fillet and uh, Bergoglio, slowly schmoozing towards each other. Uh, is that a, an American term, that you schmoozing? It's actually uh, Yiddish. Is it? Oh. It's American, uh, but it comes from Yiddish. I don't know I, if you I, know that. I, I, I tried to... Yes. I tried to find an Americanized term, so I'll have to consult. Yes, well, it's, it's very common. It's a common term, but it comes from Yiddish, believe it or not. So um, I, I think both sides are slowly gliding together, gently, ever so slowly, coming together. Schmoozing is yeah, great. I think schmoozing fits fits the the topic. <laughs> yes, and, perfect. Um, until they finally do come together, and. Um, a, a great quote from a, a great woman I know, my mother-in-law, she would say, if you lay down with dogs, you'll end up with fleas. Uh, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know who wants to be the dog or has the fleas, but um, whether it's Bergoglio or the SSPX, who knows? So in in recent months, I mean, we, we saw this in our last show, there's been some rumblings in the relationship. Um, and... Um, the the big news in the last month or so was um, that Pope Francis himself actually helped the SSPX get a new headquarters in Rome. And this was reported by the Italian newspaper Il Foglio and um, Vatican commentator Matthew Mattuzzi said the Pope played a decisive role in speeding up the purchase of the Santa Maria Immaculata al 
Escaluino. But apparently I, that's fake news. Is it? Bishop Bishop Fele said that's not true. And they're trying to buy another property. He said that in, in Poland, March 3rd. So that's apparently fake news. This this comes to my um, earlier uh, statements when I when I read it and digested the um, Bergoglio um, newspaper and said, "Oh yeah, is, is that that he did answer the dubia?" Um, but there was a retraction on Dici, um, which uh, is the SSPX mouthpiece, which um, said which described the meeting at the Vatican and the purchase of the property in Rome. So this is what the SSPX said of the meeting. For these doctrinal and practical reasons, there have been plans to, for a purchase in Rome. There are some now and there will be others as long as a firm acquisition has not been finalised. On the other hand, to respond to the revelations in the press, there is no plan to purchase a building complex at Santa Maria. As Matthew Matuzzi writes, neither Bishop Fillet nor Bishop del Galaretta nor Father Nelly stayed at Casa Santa Maria. They were not even in Rome on January the 17th the 20th. Of course, Father Nelly must travel frequently in Italy because he's serving as interim replacement as district superior, from, but not from January the 17th the 20th as he was in Menzigen. So that statement was taken from Dici.org, but however, we've previously had um, the purchase of the property, the church um, was reported in the Catholic Herald, and um, even in Non Possumus, um, the Spanish blog, um, we found that piece of news. So my question is. Who do we believe? Well, one is tempted to th- one is tempted to think that of the society that uh, you know nothing is confirmed until it's officially denied. <laughs> they used to say that about the Vatican, but uh, yeah, I think that they probably did. Now they they probably did not get this place, uh, and uh, that it was one of those those uh, wonderful little uh, little Italian stories. But I'm sure they're looking around for something, and heaven knows they they have enough of the gold of the the. Incas or the Austrian countesses or whatever, wherever they're getting it from, to get something fairly nice in Rome. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, if not Santa Maria al Esculino, it's, uh, uh, I'm sure that they're, they're looking around for something. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so it'll be something else. So that's really the least of it, that they get a place in Rome. Uh, what, is, what is the worst of it? is their, their doctrinal place in, among the modernists that inhabit the Vatican. That, that's even worse. I mean, really, the building is nothing. But uh, that they are willing to uh, sleep with the dogs uh, <laughs> and get the fleas of the dogs. That's the real concern. But again, uh, you know, when that will happen, if it will happen, uh, only the fat lady knows because the fat lady has to sing when it happens. And right now, her not even her helmet is on. She's just eating backstage uh, and keeping her weight up uh, so that she can come out and blast through a Wagnerian orchestra as she's ready to uh, jump into the flames. And this will be a symbol of the SSPX uh, jumping into the, the modernist Valhalla uh, uh, once the, you know, this takes place. So... Nobody knows except the fat lady, and I'm being facetious, but 
I mean, there's been so much talk about this for 40 some years that I just can't take any of it seriously until it happens. Yeah, the, the, the other uh, um, it, uh, recurrent thing is, uh, as Bishop Sanborn says, it's been Roman rumors since we were in the Society of St. Pius X. There's always the news about Rome and, you know, what was going on and our discussions, etc. And, you know, cardinals visiting uh, and uh, all sorts of uh, uh, stories and speculations. But nothing really, uh, nothing really ever came of it. But one can see, you know, Bergoglio, because doctrine doesn't matter to him, um, uh, and, you know, he might like to just uh, annoy some enemies. One can see him making some sort of arrangement uh, with him by saying it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe, come on in. Uh, But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see that when it happens. But the other, I mean, among the, the different loony remarks, um, was the one that Fillet, Bishop Fillet, attributed uh, uh, to Brandmiller, saying that, well, the Brandmiller wants us to help him fight modernism in the church. Well, he's a modernist himself. Mm-hmm. And all the horrible things that uh, you know, he, he, he's written in his dogmatic studies, uh, et cetera, before he got appointed to his post, he's an awful man. And so this mm-hmm. is... This is um, uh, either a lie or Bishop Fillet is, um, uh, you know, a, a complete doofus, as we would say, uh, when it comes to figuring things out, because Brand Miller is 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 a complete modernist. Are you talking about Mueller or is this another this is, Brand Miller? This- this is Cardinal Brandmuller, uh, my lord. Okay. So, um, okay. there's been, oh, there's... I got the wrong Mueller. Oh, yeah, I shame think it's Mueller who told him. No, that. I, th- I think it is Mueller. Yes, it's Mueller. It's who Mueller. Said, you know, because... we want you in to help me, Mueller, fight modernism. I mean, that's like Loisy uh, inviting you in to fight modernism. I mean, the man is is a radical modernist. And and uh, yes, uh, no, it, there's it's mistaken there. But the the uh, it's Mueller, if, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yes, I mean again, this this collapse of any kind of anti-modernism, even of natural intelligence on the part of the SSPX, just natural intelligence to say yeah. this man has a history of modernism. How could we be helping him fight modernism? Uh, you know, it doesn't make a bit of sense. It's just uh, either a, a willful ignorance or a stupidity that beggars description. No, and in fact, it is it is Mueller. Mueller. It is the the yes, uh, Mueller, Vatican yes. uh, Vatican guy because I, I just checked that on Novus Order Watch. Perfectly yes. crazy. Yes. Perfectly crazy. But you know, Mueller stands as sort of the uh, the General Lee, uh, you know, <laughs> against the super modernists the radical modernists in the civil war and and you know he's perceived as this this great protector of the faith and, and in fact it's just not true it's just nonsense it's, it's just absurdity you know but you would have to be cracked brained in order to make such a statement or believe such a statement uh on the part of Mueller and to actually propose that as, as a motive for for uh, going down the aisle with Bergoglio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I've just I've just uh, googled it as well, my lord. And um, yeah, you, you're right. It is. It was Cardinal Mueller. Um, uh, 
the the story about Brandmuller um, was related to Bergoglio and the possible fraternal correction of the Pope. So that's uh, that's me getting my Mueller's mixed up. So uh, that would that would be completely my mistake. Um, however, B- mm-hmm. Fele, Bishop Fele has been making quite a good show recently. He's um, been given a series of sermons. Um, a few of them you can find on non possumus. Um, a couple of transcripts on um, Rotari Chaley. Um, there's an interesting one where uh, there's an inter- interview with Bishop uh, Athanasius Schneider on Rotari Chaley, um, where Bishop Sch- uh, Schneider gives his talk, talk uh, thoughts about the SSPX. And there's been quite a few um, other uh, priests and um, Roman Catholic well, Novus Ordo, um, um, Novus Ordo um, commentators, and um, a, a chap called uh, Father de la Roque, um, who l- last time um, he previously in the past, the history he has um, expressed a position quite contrary to the regularization of the SSPX saying that uh, before considering such a possibility, they would have to question Bergoglio to ensure that the Pope professes the true Catholic faith. But recently, Father de la Roque um, posted that, uh, which seems to be, it seems to be very naive, but he's also, um, he seems to have changed his tune. So he was a a traditional um, hardliner against uh, regularization as as they like to call it of the sspx with rome but now even he's been turned which is quite interesting that we saw in the last few years or i saw in the last few years in the sspx where they got rid of the liberal leanings or the anti-rome um type of priests and uh, our priest who serves our mass center in the uk was an ex-sspx priest so the SSPX have had a purge of their anti-Roman mm-hmm. um, priests, and now they're <laughs> yes. everyone loves Rome, as they say. So, yes. yeah, that's uh, very very interesting. Um, the the even the hardliners have been changed, and the the Vatican's um, saying, "Oh, we like the SSPX, and they want Fele wants to fight uh, help fight the modernists." They, Wants to join the termites. <laughs> um, I, I, I notice at the bottom of your notes you have a picture of uh, a, uh, a two Franciscan friars looking uh, sort of dumb, holding up a schnauzer that's dressed in a Franciscan habit. Uh, and what? No, my my. my 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 comment on that was that that uh, uh, that's really old news because the, the Franciscans went to the dogs fifty years ago. <laughs> so, so, um, and indeed, as you say, you can't make it up. Uh, you can't make it up. No, you so, you can't. Um, as a bit of a light-hearted moment to close out the show, um, I I sent. Um, <laughs> Bishop Sanborn and Father Chicada, a picture of two Franciscan monks um, from um, St. Francis Monastery in Cocobamba in Bolivia. 
and the the story is they adopted a stray dog or I, as I said to the bishop earlier on dog monk <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we get the uh, the the dog puns and um, brother brother dog and brother monk type things um so yeah I, I as a, a bit of a um, light-hearted piece of news I, uh, I thought I'd bring, bring that story up so on the one hand, you have um, Francis posters in Rome. On the other hand, in the other side of the world, you have um, Franciscan friars adopting a dog as a brother. So, as you can say, you can't make this stuff up. Well, he's, uh, we would say that it's in the case of Francis, it's, that dog is certainly doesn't have the bark of Peter as far as we're concerned. <laughs> So uh, it's irresistible to make jokes like that. You know, blame yourself <laughs> for bringing this stuff up. <laughs> well, what the what the picture shows, though, is the general abandonment of seriousness in in religious life and in and in religion in general. That everything is a joke, and and uh, everything is light, and everything is humanized. You see, uh, this is. Where you you would never see that. It, I mean, they might adopt a dog, you know, in, in you know, say pre-Vatican two times. I'm sure they adopted plenty of dogs, but uh, you know that to to make light of it in this way, especially in the context of the Novus Ordo, is is just shows the the, the general corruption of uh, any religious sense at all. Definitely. Um... So I, I think we've probably had enough of uh, discussing the Novus Ordo, Bergoglio's many heresies, and the ever-increasing tango with the SSPX in Rome. So I'd, I'd like to end the show on a lighter note. So my Lord and Father, as is Francis Watch tradition now, um, my Lord, what are your or what have you been up to in the last month in the seminary and what are your next uh, travel plans? Well, what I've been up to, let's see, I've been getting over illness for the past month that I, I came back from Australia, and I'm not blaming Australia, I'm probably blaming the airlines or something, but I came back with a nasty cold that lasted about six weeks. I'm just coming out of it now. Uh, and uh, so I've been dealing with that for, that was January 11th that I arrived back from Australia. But no one was sick in Australia. So it had, you know, you, if you go on those airplanes, you pick up things and, and I, I think it was probably that. But in any case, uh, the, um, we've had a, an ordination to the subdiaconate of a French uh, young man who may say mass in England one day. I, that's one thing I told him, that he could work in France but also go over to England. He, he speaks English well. Uh, and so you may see him one day in England. He is slated to be ordained in June of 2018. And uh, I would hope to do that in France. So we'll see. I'm going to uh, travel to France this summer to try to set that up. Uh, so, uh, but other than that, the seminary is rolling along. Uh, I ju just when uh, uh, I came into Father Disposito's studio here, he has a studio, he's so into uh, the electronics and, and to presentations on video that he told me, I saw a student in here translating, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, they're going, they're preparing, I think he said seven or eight videos, each in three languages, English, French, Spanish, uh, on various subjects concerning the magisterium and all sorts of things. So that, that's coming down the pike. So uh, we, we have some talent here. Um, 
and uh, uh, they're they're hard, working hard, and they're using you know modern communications as Vatican II told us to do. You know, you needed a general council to tell us to use television sets. Uh, the the uh, uh, so you know we're fulfilling Vatican II by getting into modern communications, and uh, so you know. But other than that, you know, this as I say, every time it must be like old hat. Uh, the seminary hums along, and there's courses, and there's quizzes, and there's exams, and there's ceremonies, and and, and so forth and whatnot. Uh, so that that's the seminary. Uh, the uh, also the cemetery. They're they're putting the path into the cemetery. There are bulldozers outside, as we speak, putting uh, the path into the cemetery. So uh, we can look forward one day to all retiring into the cemetery. And, and then, which will be a welcome change from what I do. And the, the, uh, the, uh, the, my next plans are the UK. That's the next time I get on an airplane is to go to the UK. So uh, that's next week. I, uh, in a few days, uh, Tuesday night, I, I fly out to the, to the UK. Oh, we look forward to it, my Lord. I, I believe I've got you to myself um, all day Saturday, um, which will be quite, quite interesting. Um, is that so, when we see Wells? Uh, well, it'll be it'll be up to you. Um, I'll, I'll 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 have a chat um, in the pre in the after show about it with you, my lord. But okay. um, yeah, right. it, it should be quite good. Um, Father, um, how are things in Cincinnati, and uh, how how is the parish life progressing? Well, everything is uh, humming along here too, as as it were. I uh, made my first seminary visit uh, last week. Uh, since uh, since I got sick, and so there's about uh, 11 months I had visited. That was a, a very nice experience to meet the uh, meet the new seminarians, especially. And uh, you know, it's a, a very impressive crew, very well spoken, etc. So uh, that was a um, uh, wonderful experience. Uh, of course, during the past couple of um, weeks, I managed to put out uh, another video. Uh, this one is called Cisco, Celestine, and Sativacantism. Uh, and uh, it's under 10 minutes. Uh, the R&R people, Mr. Cisco of, of uh, true or false Pope fame or uh, infamy, if you will, um, decided that he, he had um, uh, discovered the ultimate gotcha argument against Sativacantism. And the charge was that uh, Pope Celestine in the third and the twelfth century had um, issued a, a decree that was um, incorporated in the general law of the church, and it was evil. And so, therefore, this this um, uh, refuted the whole Sativacantist position. But as I show rather gently in the film, that uh, this isn't <laughs> isn't necessarily so. Uh, so uh, I would recommend that you you look for that. That's on um, our um, uh, on the work of human hands YouTube website. We're also on um, uh, what's the the, the uh, other one Gloria TV, and it's gotten over twenty two hundred hits already, <laughs> and um, uh, it's stirred up a, a bit of interest, especially the scene with the rocket in it. But I mentioned that to sort of pique your interest if you haven't watched it. Um, and then um, speaking of, of uh, technology and following 
Vatican II's uh, decree on the need for uh, social communications, I think they call it. Um, <laughs> I um, also am in the process of putting a studio uh, downstairs in the rectory where I will be able to more easily record films, etc. I had some people in to do the uh, uh, soundproofing and I have a, a little bit of uh, uh, equipment in there. And I look forward, I think, to um, putting out many more uh, short films of, of uh, uh, the type that I've um, uh, put out in the, in the past couple of months. So that's something to look forward to. And then, of We're course- We're calling we, that Chicada wood. Uh, yeah, Chicago wood. I think that 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 has a nice ring to it, you know. Uh, so we'll be uh, stay tuned for more productions from that. And then, of course, uh, Holy Week is coming up on a more serious note, and we're we're all preparing for that. So there is uh, actually quite a bit uh, quite a bit going on. Oh, thank you. Well. Um... I think that draws our show to an end. Um, thank you, my Lord and Father, for once again a, a highly entertaining show um, of Francis Watch. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Francis Watch. If you have any questions about anything you've heard on today's episode, please email questions at truerestoration.org. We want to remind you that Francis Watch is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to copyright at truerestoration.org. All of us here at member-supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, and beneficial to you and your faith. In return, please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration... I am Dan Fitton. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.